Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hi, I'm John McEnroe. I'm Bjorn Borg. This is Martina Navratilova. I'm Mats Wilander. I'm Stan Wawrinka. I'm Leighton Hewitt. I'm Andy Murray. And you're listening to The Tennis Podcast. <laughs> Matt's just arrived at the hotel, everybody, at 1.30 a.m., and this was meant to be his early night. Um, he has just run out of the magic box because they were closing the doors, and uh, he's managed to get home in the nick of time uh, here on the Tennis Podcast um, so that he can talk to you. Um, and, yes, there's been a full day of play, but we sit here in the dark ready to talk about it and uh, and try to make sense of it. Matt, how are you feeling? You, you, you have been averaging about four hours sleep. I have. I got to the magic box this morning and I thought, oh, you again. Um, <laughs> but then, you know, the tennis started and it was fun and I left it running and I don't run. And I was <laughs> sprinting out. I think I might be a bit high on the Davis Cup, <laughs> a bit, a bit do lally. Um, because I, I said to the the lady on reception, I said, have I got enough time to record a podcast? She said, what's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> and I thought that was my cue to leave. <laughs> Not a listener, I take it. Oh, that's the best. Right, okay, so well, you've made it. You've made it, and if anybody wants to see video evidence of the run for the Uber... And it's coming the out best of the magic thing box, ever. It's there. Matt's, <laughs> Matt's done it all for you, listeners, dear listeners. It was um, actually, and, I mean, it was actually just for your amusement. <laughs> well, I, I didn't get that memo because it's out there. <laughs> oh, dear. I'm in the doghouse uh, with somebody else other than Catherine. So it's going well. Right now, tennis. Alex Dimonor and Denis Shapovalov played a hell of a match uh, not long ago. Alex Dimonor won and it was all for nothing, because Canada have won the tie. Um, what a weird few hours that was. Because, I mean, that was a quarterfinal the day before what feels like quarterfinals day. Um, but, you know, it was a cracking tie. And yet it was the one the one moment, I think, this week where I've just thought, uh-oh, there's not many people in the stadium. Catherine, your reaction? Well, there weren't many people in the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, that is unequivocal. Um, Matt experienced it first. I mean, I suppose the only saving grace is that those that were there were making a 
as much noise as they as they possibly could and had instruments um which always helps i mean in terms of the tennis i felt like Vashek Pospisil was sort of drafted in to help Denis Shapovalov finish the job that he couldn't finish off three hours earlier. Um, he needed um, his mate and countryman to come and uh, come and give him a helping hand because, with all due respect to Alex de Menor, who did what Alex de Menor does, which is not go anywhere and keep you honest and run around and get a load of balls back, Denis Shapovalov should have had that match wrapped up really if he could have just sustained somewhere close to his first set performance but if the first set was an 8 out of 10 the second set was a 4 out of 10 maybe suddenly just everything was Mm. missing and then as soon as it got tight in the third I mean it was it was real hit and hope tennis um, which was quite angsty to watch, really, and a lot of yeah. double faults. And, yeah, Alex de Menor, just like a true Aussie, sort of gritted his way through Leighton Hewitt style, and it was all for nothing. Oh, dear. All of the lost oh, sleep dear. match was for nothing. <laughs> and, he, and he came out with the, the loveliest quotes that this is bigger than me, didn't he, de Menor? He said, oh, you know... This is you could just tell how much it meant to him, um, and actually that would be a good memory for him, I'm sure, in the in the future. But It'll have to be. Matt, you you were there. Um, you were at the press conferences. You were in the stadium. Did it did it get quieter as it went on? I mean, obviously this ended up finishing late at night, and by the end it really was a fairly empty stadium. At the start, was it was it were there more people in there? Yeah, I was just going to say, in fairness, most things are bigger than de Menor. He, um <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, it's, it's one of the peculiar, peculiarities of the ATP sort of fact box that he is apparently over six foot. He's, um, he's not. He, he's just not. He just really isn't. Um, but Matt with the shade. But, but I mean, but- he, has, he does certainly have huge amounts of character and fight in him very Leighton Hewitt-esque um yeah on the crowd it it definitely did thin throughout the evening um I think it probably peaked um towards the start of the second match I think that was the kind of most exciting match given that Kyrgios didn't didn't end up playing um Hewitt said that the reason for that was he picked up a collarbone injury last night um, which, as we know, the it's, best, it's the most the, innocuous uh, bone you can injure. Yeah, but apparently, get it your ass you out. out there, Nick. Mm. Uh, he didn't. He was slightly secretive about how he actually got injured. There was no. I don't think he was suggesting it was necessarily in in the match. Overly yesterday. exuberant uh, chest bumping. Perhaps. Um, I mean that that handshake did seem to involve the collarbone. Yes, that's true. And thought of that. <laughs> Just imagine <laughs> if the secret handshake <laughs> led to the injury that ruled him out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say about the crowd and the atmosphere because that was obviously one of the massive talking points coming into this Davis Cup finals. And I think it was a big factor on the opening day. It was a little bit of a concern. But for the last two days, I've actually not thought too much about it, mainly because. I guess Spain have been on the main stadium and it's been full for that. And I've been focusing on lots of Britain, well, both of Britain's matches and Britain had a good following on a small court and it very much felt like the Davis Cup. 
plus there have been kind of other problems that have got our attention. Um, but today f- felt a little bit like it exposed an inherent flaw, really, with this format, this structure, having the quarterfinals in this way. I mean, how many support groups can hang around for the weekend knowing that their team's not going to play? In fairness to Canada, they did. They, they they were all still there. And also, how many neutrals are going to just turn up for a tie if they don't, they don't really know who's going to be playing? In terms of the crowd thinning out, Matt, presumably it was all the neutrals that left. Because mm, if you're... It was. If you're a Canadian or an Australian <laughs> and you've yeah, gone you really all that need way, to stay. Yeah. you are going to stay, aren't you? Even if it's quite late. Yeah. If it I goes mean, there... one one rubber apiece, you don't go, oh, well, I've got a flight tomorrow. <laughs> um, it's getting a bit late. I fancy my sleep. I mean, maybe, but I think you... you're probably going to stick around for the deciding doubles, aren't you, if you've, if you've oh. come that far. Definitely. And I actually, uh, I moved to be near the Canadian fans because it was kind of empty. It was kind of take your pick of the seat. So I thought I'd soak up a bit of the atmosphere. And when you're among them, you really do feel the atmosphere. You you kind of forget you're in an empty stadium because you're next to perfectly respectable looking men jumping up and down, <laughs> blowing air horns every other point, you know. There's an oxymoron um, in there somewhere, Matt. <laughs> um so, yeah, you kind of lose yourself in the moment a bit. Um, and the Canadians, I think, you know, I asked Shapovalov, just, you know, people always talk about why, you know, sorry, they always talk about support helping. But I kind of said, why? What, you know, what does it do? How does it help you? And he said, well, we just feel very lucky that all the Canadians have travelled. You know, they have some of the biggest support at this event, Canada, even though they're one of the furthest you know, furthest countries away from Spain. And I think they feel, a, you know, a, a tremendous connection with those fans and a kind of responsibility to perform and give their absolute all for them. And yeah, that Ma- was clear. Ma- Marty Fish, actually, after the US tie, expressed how, you know, it, it did make a difference. And he was kind of lamenting that they don't have that. He was saying that, look, tennis is not as big in the structure for America in the pecking order of sports as it is in Canada right now. And, and that, and that showed itself. I mean, I had a quick word with um, Michael Downey, who, who I knew from when he was at the Lawn Tennis Association and he's now in charge of Tennis Canada. I just wanted to know how many people were coming over from Canada for this, for this Davis cup. And he said, he said around about 300 people are making the trip. Mm. Um, and, the, and they've really made their presence uh, felt. And I mean, and, and were, the, were those people supported by the Federation in, in doing that is it subsidized that that's what well i think there is a bit i think there is some of that I, d- I don't know specifically about canada but i think that more generally there is there are some efforts made and i think you know tr- in trying to work out where the davis cup can go from here to solve this particular problem whether it is solvable that is the one that you feel like maybe some of the the money that is generated and given from from Cosmos, for instance, needs to go to making it a heck of a as, as easy as possible for people to travel, um, and just make it as attractive as possible. But I, we just don't know long term whether that's going to be doable or not. I think tomorrow we'll get another idea. I mean, obviously this was one specific quarterfinal, but tomorrow we'll have Spain. Obviously that one will be fine. That's in the evening on the main court. 
and then Britain against Germany's on I think the number two chord isn't mm, it, Matt? That's right. Yeah. And then uh, and so it'll be interesting to see what Serbia Russia is like on Friday afternoon when when that that'll be inside the Magic Box in twelve thousand seat stadium. You know how many people are going to show for that one? What what time does that one start? Well, they have actually addressed the start times slightly. There was a, there was an announcement put out today that they've moved each session forward half an hour. So that's actually a 10.30 a.m. start tomorrow morning, um, which obviously lots of the very cynical journalists were saying, oh, great, I'll be, I'll be going to sleep at 2 a.m. rather than half past 2 a.m. <laughs> um, but actually, I, I do think it's a positive that they have recognised that the scheduling is an issue. Ultimately, I don't think half an hour is going to make much difference, but at least they are willing to make little little adjustments like that, which I think hopefully bodes well for next year when hopefully they can make bigger adjustments. Mm. So it's now Canada against either Serbia or Russia. Serbia won today easily, Matt? They did, yes. They won easily and in doing so knocked out the top seeds, France. Um, somewhat... Predictably, Gael Monfils was dropped and Benoit Paire came in, in instead, uh, but he, both he and Songa lost. Djokovic was very efficient, very good. Filip Krajanovic played well. Um, and I really wanted to ask France for their impressions on the week. Unfortunately, a press conference mix-up meant that that was... That, well, that didn't happen, but uh, they, did do, they did do press in French and... Benoit Paire apparently was reportedly quite annoyed about all the negatives about the Davis Cup, whereas Nicolas Mahou was saying they've they've trampled on the tradition and it just doesn't feel right. So even in the French camp, it seems like they're a bit divided about it as well. Um, yeah, oh, we're going to have to wait and see, aren't we? I mean, how long this carries on and how much it can be improved. You know, there are pluses and minuses. We We know that. Um, I've enjoyed the week so far, but but tonight was was jarring. Um, now, yes, Matt was denied going into the French press conference. However, he went bowling into Novak Djokovic's press conference, didn't he? Uh, we heard from him yesterday, Novak, talking about how he thought that Davis Cup and ATP Cup should merge. Matt has been asking him a bit of a follow-up. Have a listen to this. Novak, I just wanted to follow up on something you said yesterday that uh, you think maybe the ATP Cup and Davis Cup should merge and come together. Yeah. Um, and you suggested a week in September, perhaps, yeah. after the US Open. Now, obviously, the kind of elephant in the room is that the Labour Cup currently o- occupies that place in the calendar. Yes. So I was just wondering, um, what are your thoughts about the long-term future of that competition and its place in the calendar and in this discussion about team competitions, and do you think other team competitions should take priority over it? Well, Labour Cup is uh, very important for tennis. I think uh, it has proven in the last three years that uh, by attracting the best tennis players in the world and also the legends of our sport and presenting a unique concept to tennis, which is uh, a very similar or also copy-paste to Ryder Cup in golf, uh, is something that has um, generated a lot of interest and a lot of uh, benefits for, for tennis. That is the reason why it's in the ATP calendar, even though it does not have points, but it is regarded as an important competition for future of tennis. 
and uh, I definitely think uh, the Labour Cup should, uh, you know, be supported by the tennis uh, community. Um, but at the same time, you know, when we talk about team competitions, you know, Davis Cup has always been the one that stands out, that is the most historic one. And um, unfortunately, in the last three years that also I've been, let's say, part of this kind of negotiations and conversations that were happening between ITF and ATP and Cosmos and uh, different sides that were involved. Um, there was just no, uh, unfortunately, um, solution or no deal for the merge of the two events. But from the very beginning, the uh, desire from both sides was always there. And, I, and it's still there. So there's Novak Djokovic talking about uh, Labour Cup, which is quite interesting, isn't it? That was a, that was a cool follow-up, actually. Given that he didn't play it earlier this year, and given that it is obviously part of this this sort of political team soup that we've got going on right now, um, it, I don't know. Was he just being diplomatic? Do we think, or or do you feel like that is? a position that he accepts is not going to change and that Labour Cup is here to stay and actually that also, I mean, he's only quite positive as though as though maybe, frankly, there's room for that and another. Yeah, I, th- I think it's possibly a little bit of both. He was a, he was quite diplomatic, uh, kind of slightly, slightly talked around it. Um, and yeah, I do think he, he does think that now it's an you know, in in conjunction with the ATP, it's going to make it kind of even even more difficult to prioritise something else over that event. That event, I don't think, is going anywhere. Um, so I think he just recognises that it is another part of this kind of ongoing team competition problem, and he doesn't he doesn't have the solution. But I, I do think he speaks well on the topic as a whole, and I, I do agree with his position basically i i think the labor cup should be kept uh, i must say and i think that the atp cup and davis cup should be combined and it should be called davis cup and it should be the best event it can possibly be and if we can reach a reach a stage where those two things are possible then i would be happy with that i would as well and i think that both by you and by djokovic is very well put i think where I reach a bit of an impasse is that, as identified by Djokovic, there is a clearly desirable, there is a clearly number one desirable place for a team competition in the men's calendar as it currently exists, and Labour Cup occupies mm. that place. I, I'm perfectly happy for a combined Davis Cup, ATP Cup, which I would want to be called the Davis Cup, <laughs> Um and a Labour Cup to exist. I, I agree. I think there's a place for both. Absolutely. But I want I would want Davis Cup to be given priority in terms of scheduling. Um, and that's where I see the issue, because that is clearly the prime, the prime position in the calendar. Clearly. Catherine, can I, can I ask, do you feel that there should be the strongest possible Davis Cup and the strongest possible Fed Cup? Or do you feel that they should be combined? Oh, combined in a heartbeat. I just see that as a. I, I'm. I'm. I'm trying to be pragmatic rather than idealist. Um, I'd like to think that that's a, a real possibility, but given where we are currently, 
um, just reconciling the issues with the men's calendar is uh, is difficult enough. But oh, absolutely in a heartbeat, mm. no brainer combined. Okay, I just want, I, I did have a, 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 somebody come back to me on Twitter today and just make a very compelling case for the Fed Cup staying and being recognized in its own right which i did i didn't agree with personally because i think i just genuinely think think that the strongest events in tennis are the grand slams they are combined they are they're everything um and and so if we had a team version of that then all all the better but um yeah i mean i take your point i just listening to that chap the COO from ITF yesterday i did wonder whether actually you know maybe in a few years if the if there really is this drive and they make that a priority. What? Why not? You know, if there's just finally somebody because it would can make too much above. sense. <laughs> mm. uh, by the way, Matt, just just quickly before we move on from Djokovic, just something you said to us earlier today. I mean, Matt's obviously fairly new to this world, and you, you know, you're going. Still we're, we're you're coffee. going in. No, That's well, that will change. Yeah, but he went running out of the the Kaya Magica <laughs> doing a video of himself today, so we're, we're flying. Um, and you went into Novak's. I mean, that was a great question you asked him, and you you said to us afterwards that that he kind of makes it quite easy to ask a question to. Can you just explain what you mean? Well, because he he always gives questions his full attention. I think if if it's a reasonable question that he doesn't feel has some kind of angle or agenda if it's just a straight question he will look you in the eye and he will answer it and it's it's I think it's quite a I mean I feel quite comfortable asking him questions in comparison to some other players for example who might kind of chop you down um I don't I've not had the experience where he's going to do that I think he has done that but not with me um and yeah I just I feel like he he's thoughtful um and I I just appreciate that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at bluenile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. A lot can happen in three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hello, Tennis Podcast listeners. David here. Now, you might know that I love a bit of cooking, and I think I'm quite good at it. But if I'm honest, even I get fed up trying to work out what to do every night. That's where Home Chef comes in. Being able to put together a delicious meal without the long prep and the cook times, well, that's pretty cool. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify your cooking experience. They have over 30 options a week and serve a variety of dietary needs so you don't have to worry about what to make ahead of time. Not only is it convenient, but it's economical too. Home Chef customers save an average of $86 per month on groceries. 
Now, for a limited time, Home Chef is offering tennis podcast listeners 18 free meals plus free dessert for life and, of course, free shipping on your very first box. Go to homechef.com slash tennis. That's homechef.com slash tennis for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. You heard it right. So that's uh, Serbia through. They're playing Russia. Britain are through as well. And there was no Andy Murray today. What was going on there? Just eating biscuits. Don't know. <laughs> well, yeah, he's not. He's he is not physically ready for this. The intensity of this competition. Um, and actually, it's something that he said in that interview. Uh, that we ran on the podcast about 10 days ago now with, with he was speaking at the launch of his Castor event with several journalists you were there David you said that he, with such confidence Matt I did I did I'm going Castor. with it um, we, we still haven't checked <laughs> <laughs> he still hasn't given us any free stuff um, <laughs> <laughs> we're not saying it right until we get free stuff no sorry um, but he said then that his physio thought that kind of Going forward, the slams are going to be, in the many ways, despite the five sets, easier events for him given the day off. And I think given that he's not in his peak physical condition, expecting him to play back-to-back days after a three-hour match was probably just not realistic. And given that Britain have options in the singles and Kyle Edmund was kind of ready to go, looking back at it, it's actually a, a bit of a no-brainer that... that Andy Murray didn't play today. I mean, he he was not in a good physical way yesterday. Who plays tomorrow now? If Andy Murray is feeling refreshed, do you drop the British number one? Yes. Yeah, I think I think you do. Solly Hole David says drop Dan Evans. I, mean, I see I f- that I as a Daily Express if... headline tomorrow. <laughs> I'm ready for it. I'm I, I'm ready to put not my Daily face Express, to that. Express Online. Sorry. Yes. Um, Look, I, I've seen both of those matches with with Dan Evans, and it, it's it's unfortunate for him because he played really well in both of them for a set and a half, and then he and I don't even think he went off that much in either of them. He just he he played two players that are bigger and stronger and hit the ball a heck of a lot harder than he does, and they just got on a roll. Um, I mean, I think he led a set and five three against Robin Hasser. And he led a set and four three against uh, Alexander Bublik today, and Bublik's third set. I don't, I don't recall seeing tennis like that from anyone. <laughs> he he was he was hitting one hundred and thirty mile an hour second serves regularly, and he was just trying to hit winners on every ball. Yeah, and, and, they, and they were all going in. He's really good fun. He is. I mean, I mean, obviously, uh, he and Kukushkin lost the doubles. <laughs> quite badly uh, to Jamie Murray and Neil Skubsky. But Alexander Bublik in doubles was just an absolute lol fest. He was going for um, he was going for 135 mile per hour aces on second serves and Kukushkin was sort of turning around going, mate, I'm here too. <laughs> You're making decisions. You're making decisions for both of us. So make better ones. <laughs> it it was, I mean, ludicrous, and, and I, ultimately and I, not a winning strategy. But it was <laughs> really entertaining. And I think on on Dan Evans, he's if he were to play tomorrow or later today, I should say, um, he would play Jan Leonard Struff, who, while not quite as 
ex- perhaps quite as explosive and um, sort of mercurial as Bublik is very much of the same ilk in that he can completely take the match away from you with his power and his big serve. And I think, therefore, match-up-wise, it might be an idea to move it about tomorrow, put put Murray back in after his his day off. Although Leon Smith was by no means particularly confident about that, I don't think. Um, But if he might do that, then you can shift Edmund up to the number one position. Edmund was awesome today. He was immense. He was like purposeful, energetic, aggressive, all the things you want Kyle Edmund to be, he was. Uh, it, it was a little bit scary when he was fist pumping and chest bumping again. You know, it's it's that Kyle Edmund that we don't see very often. And when we do, it takes you back a little bit. But he was great from from right from the start, I thought. Okay, Edmund's Edmund's up for this. He's playing well. Uh, he's bringing bringing an, an energy to the court which he just hasn't done. Not not just on tour, but he hasn't really done it at the Davis Cup all that often either. It was a it was a totally different Edmund. And also, I thought Leon Smith was a lot more vocal on the bench with him. He was really sort of standing up after every point, getting you know not not getting in his face, but really encouraging him and Leon Smith can sometimes be a captain like that but also he can be quite um passive sometimes it just depends on the situation he obviously read that that Kyle was just this ball of energy today and was was feeding off that have we had confirmation from Kyle Edmund that the Franco Davine partnership is go because it was on a mm. trial basis in Paris wasn't it yeah they're kind of st- Still going to be trialing a little bit. Um, I heard they. I heard it was on now. Yeah, oh, it's, it's on. It's officially um, on. It's no longer yeah. a trial. Yeah, but Carl Edmund said today that you know they're still kind of in the early period, obviously, because they don't really know each other yet. So he's going to spend some of the time over the off season just trying to get to know him a bit more, with a mm. with a view to fully fully starting next season. Right. Sure. Uh, so we've in. had. Yeah. How do yeah? How do coaches and players Just, get to know one another? Interesting. Twenty questions. <laughs> so, <laughs> speed dating. Yeah. So we've had um, we've had Carl Edmund fist pumping and chest pumping. We've had Matt running. I've had a nap. My first nap in six years. Yeah, that was the biggest indictment of the Davis Cup scheduling <laughs> yet. God, they're weird, aren't it, they? It broke David Law. It did. I did not. Oh dear, I feel really weird. Anyway. Uh, enough of that. Won't have another one for six years. Um, what else has happened today? Hang on. We- what what happened six years ago that meant, <laughs> um, that meant you had a nap? Um, somebody said, let's start a podcast. And uh, it's taken up all my time since. Right. Um, so, yeah, that, that's what's happened on court today. Um, more quarterfinals tomorrow. Some very sad news today in that Roberto Bautista Gut had to return home. His father has passed away, which is is really so sad for him. And um, and we wish him well. Um, we had better news uh, in as much as our competition winner Andrew Millard was in Madrid today and had a, had a lovely time. But but you didn't get to see him, Matt. He escaped your clutches. Too busy starring in movies. Yeah, he was in, he was in a video on the uh, on the Davis Cup Finals website. Um, so well done, Andrew. Hope you had a lovely day and uh, and you go home with some very happy memories. 
Uh, away from the Davis Cup finals, we've had some coaching changes, folks, because Angelique Kerber has announced her new coach. All of my predictions have not happened in terms of the coaching carousel. Uh, Dietmar Kindleman, who used to be with uh, Elise Mertens, yes. is going to be the new coach of Angelique Kerber. I didn't Kerber. know that he wasn't with Elise Mertens anymore. But... Yes, apparently that's not been a thing for over a year. Oh, um, right. Yeah. Apparently he was with Isla Tomljanovic last year. Oh. Uh, and how about this one? Diana Yastremska is the player that has hired Sasha Bajin, uh, which uh, is Hang on. Hang a surprise on. to me. Hang on, you subtly shifted your pronunciation. That's because I've been told I've been getting it wrong for the last five years. Who told you that? Someone in the know. Bajin. Like what do you think? Bajin? Bajin? I think that I thought he was supposed to be working with Kim Clijsters. No, that was that was somebody who was just inventing stuff in order to try to get clicks, Catherine. Um, I'd I thought it was... I don't think... Oh, okay. Yes, no, it was, definitely. Uh, I thought it was going to be... Uh, who uh, invented that to get clicks? I oh, didn't... somebody who invents things to get clicks a lot. I thought it was going to be Garbinia Magarutha, who Sasha Bajin ended up with. Bajin? Oh, I can't do this now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, uh, and it turns out not. I don't know who Garbini McGruth is going to be with. Um, but well, your one, one speculates that um, she'll go back to Conchita Martinez. But um, it would be lovely um, for a number of reasons. But I know that that's a uh, uh, there's a lot of water under under the bridge there. I think. Mm. Well, Yastremska's an interesting appointment, isn't it? I don't know who's appointed who there, really. Um, but it's it's just an interesting partnership because, I mean, I've seen her play a couple of times and the ball-striking power she has is jaw-dropping. And 20, 20 years old, 21 yeah. years old, Matt not even that. Matt was an that. early adopter. Uh, yeah. yeah, tell me about it. Had her, in the, had her in the Roland Garros quarterfinals, went out in the first round. <laughs> She this time next year, she's going to have reached the Grand Slam semi final, isn't she? Oh, is, that's, is, that's, is she? that's big. <laughs> Tell you right, um, you've heard it here first, folks. I mean, I mean Sasha Bayan Bajin obviously had a you know did had good results with Osaka, but it hasn't exactly worked since. Mm. It worked with Miladinovic. I mean, she had some great results with him, didn't she? She, she she had some decent results, but I, but would you say that Yastrems has got a lot more in her game than Mladenovic at her best? I mean, I've you know you, I, you look at the way Mladenovic's played in that Fed Cup final. Bagin didn't get her playing like that. No, but I think Mladenovic plays her best with a cause and a short term goal. Yastrems, but it isn't. Is, really, but, but isn't really that the role, isn't that the role of the coach, coach to 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 motivate her for the rigors well, of the I th- tour? I mean, look. I could imagine, and I'm only guessing here, but I could imagine that might have been one of the reasons why he's moved right. on is is because I, I really feel like uh, Yastremska has such a, a desire to be the best uh, from what I've seen and what I've heard. And I could imagine that yielding dividends. It's a, it's an interesting one anyway. I, here you go, semi-finest of a slam by the end of, by the end of 2020. Danny Yastrzemska. It's my new Ash I mean, Barty I mean, that's only one step further than I've already oh, yeah, predicted like her pig- to get. piggybacked on, on your failure. 
from this year. How far have I got to go then? Have I got to go to final? Then? I feel like you've. Um, yeah. What, what are they I called? These, these people that um, lurkers in casinos around slot machines. <laughs> You're calling the me wait a lurker. For people. Do, you, do you know what I'm talking about? The wait. Mm. Yeah. Watch people um, slot away their uh, all their loose pennies and then swoop in at the last minute and clean up. You've called me a lurker. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like that's what you've done. You're going to be picking Kuzmova uh, to do something next. Lurker law. Oh, that hurts. Who else did you go? Did you go early on Swiatek? Yes. Yeah. Although I don't actually think I predicted her to get to any quarterfinals or anything like that. I just, just, just noted. Just, that- just. That. Just, you just name dropped her a few times. Yeah. That strategy, you just pick people that nobody's ever heard of and, uh, and just say something and maybe one of them will come up trumps. Uh, anyway, uh, that would be an interesting. And Mladenovic is fuming. Uh, I was listening to Andrea Petkovic on uh, the Racket podcast last night and she said that that did not end well mm. at all. And the locker room... Uh, friends of Mladenovic not happy with Sasha Bayan at all. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, one thing we've... Uh, now's not the time. It's uh, two o'clock in the morning in Madrid. But we've not had time to talk about Taylor Townsend's um, posting about Kamal Murray, have we? And obviously his relationship with um, Monica Puig ended badly. There's a lot of um, coaching drama, soapy, coachy drama happening Mm, awesome. Let's have a whole episode on it. Uh, final point uh, that I've got, at least, is uh, a report by Simon Briggs in The Telegraph about the about a new ATP chief uh, incoming, Massimo Calvelli, uh, who is lined up to be the new CEO, uh, Simon writes. He's been in charge of Nike Tennis's marketing division since 2014, uh, representing uh, negotiating deals with people like Rafael Nadal and Serena Williams, close friend of Andrea Gardenzi, who's the ATP's new chairman, is separating Chris Commode's former role up. Well, I mean, he's in the role until the end of this year. Uh, and so there'll be a CEO and a chairman. So it'll be interesting. It's all moving towards Italy with uh, Turin being the venue for the ATP finals from 2021 and obviously Milan has got the next gen final so yeah it's all going to be very interesting to see how that unfolds anything else folks before we uh let Matt go to bed early tonight uh, well, it's 2 a.m yeah I um a couple of other big points of business from the Davis Cup um Canada getting through to the semis means that they're automatically in the finals for next year so that's right. that's something that all the quarter finalists are playing for automatic qualification for next year's finals. Um and we wondered last night why Nadal was playing doubles. We gave he gave quite a well it was a it was a very basic answer but written between the lines I thought was quite funny because he said uh, basically he wants to practice in <laughs> case in case he needs it later on in the tournament. Um, but then he said he hasn't played doubles for a while and it's much easier to play with Granollers, who he was playing with. And I thought, when was the last time Nadal played doubles? And then I realised that it was the Lever Cup 
with Sitsipas, and we had the whole any finger you cross incident. <laughs> so so I, I think what he was saying is that Marcel Granayes understands hand signals, and it was a it was it was a relief to be able to be on court with him. <laughs> oh, brilliant! <laughs> <laughs> Them it's just laughing at Sitsipas's failure to understand signals was one of the moments of the year. Bless. Oh dear. Rightio then, folks. Bedtime. Um, I hope you're enjoying these tennis podcasts, folks, because we're uh, we're staying up till all hours to record these. I've even had a nap. Uh, and we're produced in association with The Telegraph, executive produced by TennisBalls.com. Our mascot is Rio with a Y. Um, I don't know whether Matt can cope for the next three days. <laughs> He's been absolutely foot to the floor uh, in honour of you, dear listeners, over the last six days. And he's going to continue that way. Uh, see you tomorrow, Matt. Keep going. Good Keep going. Night. You can do it. Buenas noches. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Normally, being a little extra can be a bit much. But when it comes to healthcare, it pays to be extra. And United Healthcare makes it easy with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they supplement your primary plan, helping you manage out-of-pocket costs without the usual requirements and restrictions like deductibles and enrollment periods. So when it comes to covering your medical bills, you can feel good about being a little extra. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you.